Hi, everyone, and welcome to Tiebreaker Tennis, the tennis podcast that's part of the Total Sports 24-7 network. This is Chris Hayes, the host and producer for this podcast and all podcasts across the Total Sports 24-7 network. You can find us on our website, totalsports247.podbean.com. You can also find us on X at totalsports underscore 247, and you can find us at Substack, weekinweekout.substack.com. In order to subscribe to the podcast, search Total Sports 247 on your favorite podcast platform. We should pop right up, hit that notification button, subscribe so you know whenever it is that the network is putting out new episodes. On today's show, we're going to go over the second half of the quarterfinals for both the men's and the women's, all of the uh, first part of the quarterfinal is complete, and they went pretty much as expected. Djokovic beating Fritz in four sets. Sinner won in straight sets against Rublev. Goff took care of business against Kotsik. It took three sets, but she was able to get through without playing her best. And in a top 10 matchup, Sabalenka got past Barbara Krajikova pretty easily. So today, we're going to go over the other part of the quarterfinal it's uh the bottom half for the women or sorry the top half for the women and the bottom half for the men so uh, let's start with the women this is the surprise half of the draw for sure with one exception and we'll get to that at least it wasn't a, a surprise in our eyes so section one for the women, this was Iga Sviatek's section, and she lost in the third round in what I would call a monumental upset to Linda Noskova. And not, now, Noskova is someone that tennis analysts have had their eyes on as a future, I don't know if top 10, but maybe a future top 20 player for sure. She won the French Open as a junior in 2021. She's only 19 years old, and her beating of Sviatek was the first time that uh, a world number one lost to a teenager at a major since 1999 when Amelie Moresmo beat Lindsay Davenport. And so she is someone, again, who is uh, seeking the top 20, the top 10, probably the top 20 this year if results like this continue. This is her breakout tournament for sure. She had never been past the second round of a major. She had done okay at some of the WTA 1000 events, reaching the third round in Cincinnati and Indian Wells last year. She, again, big win, beat the number one player, Sviatek, and then faced Svitolina in the fourth round, and Svitolina had to retire after just three games. I think it was a back injury. I would have favored Svitolina in that match. She was playing really well. In the tournament, three straight set victories en route to the fourth round. So it's unfortunate that Svitolina had to retire. We'll see how serious the injury is uh, as the season progresses. But hopefully it's not something that she has to be sidelined for too long for. Because she is starting to play really well. And she is knocking on the door of the top ten. And if she stays healthy, she'll be there pretty soon. So Noskova faces the qualifier, Diana Yastremska. Now Yastremska is very interesting case. Uh, Yastremska has beaten three seeded players en route to the quarterfinals. She took out Von Drusova, the seven seed in the first round one and two. Then she beat the feisty American Emma Navarro in three sets in the third round. And then 
in what I thought was a pretty big surprise, beat Victoria Azarenka in the fourth round, 7-6-6-4. If you recall, we thought from this section that Jelena Ostapenko would emerge. She lost to Azarenka in the third round, and so Azarenka then became our favorite to move through this section, but then she lost to Yastrzemska. So Yastrzemska has a little bit of an interesting history. Um, She has a reputation for like defaulting, not, no, defaulting is not the right word. She has a, she has a reputation for uh, bucking the system or taking advantage of the system when it comes to medical timeouts and those sorts of things. She bends the rules a lot and she doesn't have the great reputation in the locker room. She is a pretty good player though. She also suffered some uh, doping allegations a few years ago. I think she was ultimately eventually cleared of those. She hits the ball pretty hard. I remember when she uh, played Serena Williams a few years ago that Serena talked very highly of her game and thought that uh, Yastrzemska had potential for, you know, the top 20 type status. So, it's been a while since Yastrzemska was significant in the game she was number 21 back in January of 2020 so it's been since then that she really has had any sort of uh, impact uh, on the game and having significant wins and she definitely had three at the very least significant wins to get to the quarterfinals here so this match is a coin flip really if we look at the odds on FanDuel it's got Yastrzemska at plus 166 and Noskova at minus 196. We're not going to bet this one. We think it could be a, a three-set match. So if that's something that you're interested in, that could be a play uh, for this. And total games could also be a play. At 22.5, it's over minus 108 and under minus 126. We kind of like the over if this goes three sets, but again, we're staying away from this match just due to the inexperience of both players at this level, at a quarterfinal and a major, to us, makes the match too unpredictable to call, and so we're going to stay away. I guess if you wanted to make a play, it would be with the underdog Yastrzemska. She does have more experience, but we're not going to that's that's where maybe the value is, but we're not playing that and we're not recommending it. The second match is Anna Kalinskaya against Zheng Qinwen or Qinwen Zheng. We love Qinwen Zheng's game. She maybe is the best athlete on the entire tour outside of Coco Goff. And we thought that she would get to the semifinals and she is well on her way to doing so. We didn't know that it would be this way, however, we did not anticipate that the veteran Kalinskaya, the journeyman kind of player, really, would get this far. She's she doesn't you know, she's just a she's a player on the tour and she's just not someone who strikes fear in her opponents. She's only been as high as 51, and she's she's a fine player, but she's not someone that typically you would think is capable of pulling off multiple upsets. Um she has not faced a, a, a ton of resistance in this tournament, except for the Sloan Stevens match. Uh, she beat Katie Volnitz in three sets in the first uh, round, but it wasn't as close as the score might look. She beat Arangshit Roos in the second round. And then Stevens, that was really a golden opportunity for Sloan Stevens to get to the fourth round, and she kind of blew it. And 
we 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 feel bad for Stevens because we think she could have gotten to the quarterfinals since Kalinskaya took care of the Italian Jasmine Pellini in the fourth round. And Pellini doesn't really have a game that she's a retriever and she doesn't hit the ball very hard at all. So she's somebody who can be overpowered even by the likes of Kalinskaya, who is I would say has average power. Um, the the main uh, the upset in this section was Elena Rabakina going down in the second round to Anna Blinkova, 22 to 20 in a tiebreak in the third set, the longest tiebreak in history. And then Blinkova, unfortunately, couldn't back that up, losing in straight sets to Paulini in the third round, understandably, after putting so much you know, putting forth so much effort and energy into that second round match, a letdown was, I don't want to say inevitable, but it was not surprising. And so Kalinskai has been the beneficiary of players losing in this draw and advances to get Zhang in the quarterfinals. Now, Zhang had a battle in her third round match against compatriot Wang Yafan, who was more known as a doubles player, but Zhang was able to get through in a very tense match, uh, particularly in the tiebreak, but she managed to win, and then she faced the hard-hitting French uh, journeywoman, Ocean Dodan, who she got by quite easily, love, and three. We love Zhang's game, and we think that there's so much room for improvement. She will be top five within the next two years, I would think, and she could even be a world number one. We think that she has a similar story and kind of like path to what we see with Carlos Alcaraz on the men's side. Like she might be in this top 10 to top 15 range for maybe this year, but everything in her game is pointing upward and she has so much more room to grow. She hits the ball hard. Again, she's one of the best, best athletes on the tour. Her serve has a very weird hiccup. And so she's got to fix that. But that's really the only fault that I see in her game. And right now it's not to the point where it is particularly concerning. I think it will be if it continues to, um, yeah, I think it will be against top players. I, th- I think top players might be able to take advantage of the serve. And it's not that the serve is necessarily bad. Like when you watch her play, she's getting it in with you know, regular consistency and it's it has pace on it. It's just the, the motion is... <laughs> it's troubling, and uh, it, it, I would anticipate that that has to be fixed, or it could be something that breaks down uh, later on. So we like Zhang a ton in this match, and we like her to get to the final. If we think she has a cru- can cruise to the final, her odds uh, in this match, again, these are bets that we're not going to make either because we don't just we just don't see value uh, for either one of these matches right now. So for uh, Zhang, she is favored minus 172 on FanDuel. It's actually, I don't know, those odds aren't bad, um, considering what we would have thought they would have been. Um, Kalin Sky is plus 146. So we like Zhang to move on. And like I said, she'll face the winner of Noskova and Yastramska. We think she'll get to the finals, and we think she'll do so pretty easily. So that is the women's side. The men's side, these matches are a little bit more interesting in my mind. So we had Djokovic move through in four sets against Fritz, and we had Sinner move through in straight sets 
against Rublev, which sets up a blockbuster semifinal. Now, you may recall that in our Australian Open preview, we thought that Sinner would win this tournament. We said that with the caveat that Djokovic seemed to be dealing with a wrist issue. I don't know that that wrist issue is even there. He was also a little sick coming into the tournament. That seems to have gone away as well. So the odds makers still like Djokovic and like him um, pretty pretty favorably against Sinner. We'll cover that match in a future episode, but just so you're aware, Djokovic is minus 230 against Sinner on FanDuel, and plus 192 is Sinner's odds. So uh, more to come on that match later on in the week, but that is the first semifinal on the men's side. So let's cover these two big quarterfinal matches. The first one we'll talk about is Alexander Zverev, who we really, really like, against Carlos Alcaraz. Now, these odds are nutty. Alcaraz is minus 500 on FanDuel, and Zverev is plus 380. When you look at their head-to-head, Zverev owns a 4-3 advantage over Alcaraz. Now, uh, they uh, ha- Alcaraz has won uh, in the majors with the U.S. Open uh, last year, beating uh, Zverev handily in the quarterfinal 3-2-4. and four. But Zverev then beat him in the ATP Finals uh, in three sets. Back in 2022, Zverev actually beat Alcaraz in the quarterfinal. So sorry about that. Quarterfinal Roland Garros in four sets. So they have had uh, very good matches. And uh, this one could be really competitive. Zverev... (laughs) he's like a better athlete than you think. And he can trouble Alcaraz with his like ranginess, ability to get balls back and ability to redirect points. He's really good at that, especially his inside out backhand. That's one of our favorite shots on the tour. If Zverev's serve is working, he is quite dangerous. He did go through a period of time, maybe like, maybe, maybe like a year ago where he was, Seriously struggling on his serve to the point where he was committing double-digit double faults in a lot of matches, and it was becoming an absolute liability for him. That seems to have corrected itself. He has had a strong tournament so far, and we think this match is going to be uh, very competitive, probably closer than what you see in terms of odds. We think minus 500 is way too much for this one. So let's review how each of these players got to the quarterfinals. So Zverev is in section seven. He had a crazy second round turn uh, match against a qualifier, Lucas Klein, who I'm not familiar with, but Zverev beat him 10 to 7 was the tiebreaker in the fifth set. And Zverev beat Cam Nori in the fourth round in a fifth set tiebreaker as well. Nori got to the fourth round by getting past the 11 seed Casper Ruud in four sets. And one of the best matches I've seen Nori ever play. It'd be cool to see Nori have a little bit of a resurgence. He's fallen off the rankings the last couple of years, but he's a little bit of a different kind of player than what you see on the tour. He is quick. He doesn't hit the ball super hard, but he get, takes it very early and creates good angles. And when he's on, 
he can be challenging because he can dictate despite not hitting the ball super hard. And so it would be nice to see him for a little bit of variety in the men's game if he can continue to uh, to progress with and build off of this fourth round showing. That would be, I think that would be good for the tour. So Zverev got through with those two five set wins, and then Alcaraz got through with a pretty straightforward path. Uh, the only set he's lost is to the Italian Lorenzo Sanego in the second round, who's a pretty good player. Um, a good second round match for Alcaraz. He won 6-4, 6-7, 6-3, 7-6. He received a default at the hands of Zhang Zhengchen, who was definitely a player to watch in the future. Um, it, it, he's just not ready yet, but he's so young. Um, he's only 18 years old. He has top 10 written all over him. He Once he... Uh, builds his strength and gets some more experience. He is absolutely one to watch on the men's side. And then Alcaraz cruised past the uh, Serbian player Miamir Kekmanovic, who took out Tommy Paul, and, and to me was a little bit of a surprising result. I was looking forward to an Alcaraz-Paul fourth-round match because they have had some fun battles, especially last year. It, they, they match up pretty well. Paul is an excellent retriever. He's probably, well, not probably, he's one of the quickest players on the tour. He hits the ball harder than you might think. He just doesn't use it all the time. He relies on his foot speed more than his uh, potential power. So that, that I, I wonder how Paul is going to progress this year if he, if he, still continues to use that tactic or maybe can dial into his reserves a little bit more. He shouldn't be losing matches like this to Kekmanovic. He should really be getting into the fourth round regularly. He had a solid match against Jack Draper in the second round, who I think was probably a little banged up, maybe even a little sick. And um, Paul was the beneficiary of that. But he 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 needs to win matches like Kek, against Kekmanovic in the third round of majors if he wants to continue his top 15 ranking. So Alcaraz, again, into the quarterfinals, a blockbuster match against Zverev. We're not going to go with Zverev to win this. Uh, we, we don't know that we like those odds so much. But total games, if we look at the... Uh, some of the props on this over 37 at minus 110. That's a line that we are going to take. We think that Zverev can absolutely take a set here, and um, 37 seems a little bit low for us. So at minus 110 over on FanDuel, that's our first play. The three, uh, sorry, over 37 games played between Alcaraz and Zverev. We're going to take that. The other quarterfinal is one that is maybe a little bit under the radar, but still is a top 10 matchup. And it pits Daniil Medvedev against Ubi Urkoc. And Urkoc is a player that I don't understand. Nobody talks about him, but he continues to win. Now, he was a little bit of the beneficiary in his draw that Olga Runa was at the top of the section. And we thought Runa was going to bow out in the first round to Nishioka. He did not. He got through it in four sets. It was a tight match. But then he fell in the second round to a wild card, Arthur Cazot from France. So we, we just had a feeling that Rune was not mentally where he needs to be yet. We think he can get there. 
We think this loss could help him moving forward, but he's just he's not he he's not in the right mindset. It's similar to like a Ben Shelton kind of situation, except it's it's like worse with Rune because um he Shelton doesn't really have an attitude problem like with other players. I don't think he might, but it doesn't seem that way. It seems like it's all a little bit in Shelton's head, whereas Runa, it seems like the other plays like don't even really like him. It seems there seems like an attitude problem sort of overall with Runa on the tour, and he's got to get that fixed because it's translating into his game, and he's losing to players he shouldn't. So we'll see how that how that fares for Rune throughout the season. Um, I'm fading him to start the season until we see some progress. Like we'll see how he does in the Sunshine Double, Miami, and Indian Wells, and kind of reevaluate uh, with Runa for his season. Um, Urkacz has had to face only one ranked player. That was Ugo Umber, who uh, has earned his ranking through playing smaller tournaments. So he's a 21 seed. We don't think he's the 21st best player in the world. So we were not surprised that Urkacz took care of business in that third round match and then beat Kazo in straight sets in the fourth round. So a strong tournament for Urkacz so far. And he gets Medvedev. Medvedev has had a good tournament as well. He was the one who had to play a crazy late second round match against the um, Finnish player, uh, Emil Rusevori, who's a decent player and offered some resistance, but faded in the fifth set uh, where Medvedev won six love. That match went till something like four in the morning, Australian time. So that was unfortunate for Medvedev. I thought he was going to suffer a hangover in his third round match against Felix Oje Aliassim. And I thought Aliassim was on the rebound from a disastrous 2023. It doesn't seem like he's there yet. Medvedev took care of business pretty easily, 3-4 and 3, to get past the number 27 seed. And then Medvedev faced uh, Nuno Borges in the fourth round, who upset Grigor Dimitrov. We were looking forward to a Medvedev-Dimitrov match. Dimitrov had a resurgence last year, played really well in the second half of last year, and had played well this year leading into this tournament, and then couldn't get past Borges. That was a very surprising result, we thought. And so uh, Medvedev took care of Borges in the fourth round to set up this clash with Urkoc. Now, their head-to-head... Urkoc leads their head-to-head 3-2, and the last time they played was in 2022. It was in LA, and uh, Urkoc won that easily, uh, 1-4, and and Urkoc also won their uh, previous match to that in Miami on an outdoor hardcourt, which is Medvedev's favorite surface. It's his specialty. Uh, Urkoc was able to take that one 7-6-6-3. So, we like Urkoc to move forward in this. We think he can give Medvedev trouble. We think he can punish Medvedev for staying too far back from the baseline. If you watch Medvedev's matches, he is almost comically behind the baseline. It, someone's going to be able to take advantage if Medvedev doesn't correct this. Now, of course, he is a world-class returner and a world-class hardcore player, but He's almost becoming too specialized in my mind. And we feel like Medvedev maybe has peaked a little bit. And we see someone like Urkacz being able to take advantage of that. We like that he has beaten him, one, on an outdoor hard court, but two, has a 3-2 advantage. So he should have confidence that he can get past Medvedev in this match. And 
we think he can punish Medvedev for his court positioning. If if you saw the Cam Nori Casper Ruud match, Nori was able to beat Ruud by putting so much net pressure on Ruud, who has a similar court positioning than Medvedev does. And I think if Urkacz can do that, then he can get past Medvedev. Uh, I think playing doubles at the United Cup before this tournament may have helped Urkacz in uh, this match upcoming because there's net play involved, there's volleying in in doubles, and there's it's, it's a completely different game. You get to work on different things. And so we think that that could be... Uh, uh, an understated advantage for Urkacz in this one. And we like him to upset Medvedev. We liked it at the beginning of the tournament and something that we called for in our tournament preview. And he is plus 200 on DraftKings, or sorry, on FanDuel. That's the play we're going to take as well. So the two plays officially for tiebreaker tennis here for the podcast are over in games for Carlos Alcaraz and Alexander Zverev, 37 at minus 110, and Ubi Urkacz to win at plus 200. We don't have a play on the women's side, but we do think Zhang is going to get to the final, and uh, we're excited about uh, the prospects of her facing likely either Coco Goff or Arena Sabalenka in the final. So that'll do it for this episode of Tiebreaker Tennis. Be sure to stay tuned to the network for more programming coming up throughout this week on a whole host of sports Topics And again, find us on X at TotalSports underscore 247. We'll be pretty busy this week with uh, some recommendations across the sports landscape. So this has been Tiebreaker Tennis again. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for the semifinals.